How has your family damaged you? If you had a time machine, which of your mistakes would you fix? What turns you on in the workplace? Welcome to Confessions, the podcast where you get to hear different people confess. Hi, Charlie. Thanks um, for coming on the show. My pleasure. Am I your first? Yeah. <laughs> is is Charlie having a date? No, I'm not having a date. Although I have got a glass of glass. Go away. <laughs> Tell me a bit about who that is in the background. That's the wife, my beautiful, darling, opinionated wife. <laughs> She's going to be um, helping you with the questions. No, no, she's gone upstairs. Okay. She, uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, she cool. made a fuss, but she's she's gone now. <laughs> so that's good. Well, thanks, um, thanks for coming on the show. How are you feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a bit of a cold coming. I think I've had three glasses of wine. Um, so kind of sort of slightly heady. Not quite with it, drunk, but in a nice way. So I'm pretty good. Yeah, pretty that good. Pretty good. Okay. Well, maybe um, before I explain how this format works, you wouldn't mind introducing yourself. And what I'm going to suggest is that you introduce yourself in the style of a dating profile. So uh, I am Charlie Neen, and um, whatever you'd put on a dating profile. Okay, that's a challenge. Um... I haven't dated anyone for about 10 years, so I'm not sure that, I don't know what what people do nowadays, but I do play Tinder sometimes, so I'll see if I can do something. Um, I'll probably say something around, probably outgoing, chummy banter, sport lover, um, loves a, a drink and a party into dance music and um yeah travel new experiences the usual stuff that's great so let me explain um for the benefit of you and also anybody who's joining us for the first time how confessions work so i have a stack of cards and on those cards are some quite um intrusive questions maybe that's the way of putting it but what i have done is i've divided them into three piles so one pile is what i've called uptight so those are kind of fairly tame questions the second pile is kind of pretty revealing questions and the third pile i've called extreme for reasons that may or may not become clear um so just for the benefit um uh, of the audience um which pile have, have you chosen to go for charlie I've chosen to go for extreme, awesome. which I think is the only choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. So um, what I've done is I have shuffled the extreme and revealing cards, because I think if we only did the extreme cards, the show would be pretty much unbroadcastable. Um, so um, <laughs> I'm going to just which draw from the I'm going to draw from the deck. Um, And then there there is something really important I should say, which is the intent is never to embarrass anybody. So 
if you don't want to answer question, just say next question and we'll move on. Okay. Sound okay? Yeah. So I've cool. played this game before. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And how, how did that work out? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I don't think anyone remembered any of the answers. So that's, that's, that was, uh, that was a better situation to be in, but anyway, we'll, we'll go for it. Cool. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, the questions are drawn from a whole range of topics like kind of family, money, career, sex, relationships. So I don't know what's coming up. Um, so you ready for your first question? Oh yeah. Cool. Here goes. So your first question is what do you find erotic in the workplace? <laughs> Amazing. Um, what do I find erotic in the workplace? Erotic in the workplace. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm a, um, a usual bloke, really. Um, I like office wear on, on ladies. I suppose that's erotic. Um, I think if you're talking, if you're thinking along the lines of something like stationary, uh -huh. um, oh, now you're talking. Now I like a, I guess a big marker pen, <laughs> like a big whiteboard marker. There is something satisfying about a big um, marker pen. Do you have any any theories as to why that might be? Um, I mean, they're obviously quite phallic, aren't they? But um, I, I don't know. I think it's maybe the the contact between whiteboard and and pen, and how smooth it is across the surface. <laughs> is it? Um, I'm putting words in your mouth now. I was yeah. Really okay. of, um, is it the feeling of uh, control? Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. You could be on something there. Hmm. It's not something, something I really thought deeply about. I mean, if I had a choice at home, I wouldn't sort of crack out the whiteboard and, and marker pens. But if, um, yeah, I guess if, if I had to choose a particular stationary item for the home, I think it's multi-purpose, multifunctional, because you've hmm. got obviously, you know, there's always a good op opportunity to draw a diagram, but also um, you've got that kind of, creative artistic control uh utility which i quite like hmm. so yeah and obviously you know without putting too fine a point on it um sexy office wear is always a good one yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, if anyone's actually got past the first six minutes of this podcast <laughs> i'll be amazed i feel like there are a few puns <laughs> And there, not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah, um, I mean, you, yeah. basically, you've gone down. I mean, nobody in L and D, except maybe one or two people that are in our network, would have actually got past that bit. Mm. <laughs> well, so we're, we're going to Sorry. So, um, marker pens. Who who would have guessed? Um, yeah. So, next question. Mm. Here's a different question. What do you think your partner most wishes you would be able to change about yourself? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, mm -hmm. oh, it's a toss up between picking my nose, cracking my knuckles or farting. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. <laughs> it's probably, I reckon, cracking my knuckles. 
Mm. She hates it, and she she hits me every time I do it. But I just it's uh, it's in my nervous habit. So, what would she have to do to get you to um, to stop doing it? Do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. Probably, I mean, yeah, I've probably lost a version is is um the probably the strongest way so i'd probably need to she probably need to take something away mm-hmm. um what kind of thing um probably something s- s- silly and stupid like i don't know my my phone or my new smartwatch or something like that so let's hope she this um, podcast in that case. I think it's unlikely, <laughs> but we'll see. Next question. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. What do you wish your partner could change about themselves? Mm. What do I wish my partner? I'm going to have to tell her now, and I. Uh, okay. I think um, I think I think it might be something along that which is like I guess a slightly boring answer, but it's something it will be something along the lines of um <laughs> the, way she, the way that she argues is like a um, sort of like a bubbling volcano that explodes, but you can see it happening as it happens, which mm-hmm. is really it's frustrating because the argument begins and you can see you can see the volcano about to explode, and it kind of gets more and more with every sentence or every statement it gets more and more violent and by the end it, it becomes this kind of explosion volcano and you know objects start flying in a general, general direction um and uh and yeah i guess i guess having being able to have a being able to have, have a rational argument without that occurring would greatly help both me and also our relationship because mm-hmm. it, uh, i think we'd just be in a much more um reasonable space I think quite a lot of people have that experience of arguments that it doesn't seem always to be a kind of a rational to and froing, but more kind of an expression of some sort of feeling that's been building up a while. And it's sort of unstoppable, I guess, in the way you describe like a volcano. I think it's a nice metaphor. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's the, um, I mean, to be honest, I haven't, I'm, I haven't had a relationship other than with my wife for sort of 12 years. So it's difficult to know how other people argue, frankly, but, um, how do yeah. you argue? How do I argue? Mm. I, I well, I do the opposite, which is why it's so it's so kind of toxic <laughs> because I'm there trying to be trying to be super rational and and I'm mm. very good at disassociating myself from the from it in a way and, and seeming like I don't care. Um, mm. And she has the Does opposite. That make it worse? Do you think? Yeah, it makes it worse because she um, she I guess she's more of the 
uh, emotional style arguer and I'm the more rational and it frustrates her more and more that I am that way. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Mm. I mean, there's loads of other things I could probably change about. <laughs> Very well. But you only asked for the one. Mm-hmm. And I've given you, I've given you one, so. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Next question. All right. What disappoints you about your father? Hmm. Disappoints me about my dad. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I'm not sure that this is necessarily true, but I think he, he's been a bit of a pushover at, at times during his life. And I think that I have the same, uh, the same mindset. He always used to say, um, you need to work around people, which meant that if you had any conflict, you didn't really engage directly with it. You found a way to kind of circumnavigate it, which I think works to a degree, but I think there are certain times I think there are certain people or certain times when actually you just need to put your gloves on, basically. Um, There's one particular time I remember where basically my brother, who's a bit of a wheeler dealer, (laughs) um, decided that he'd found a great deal for some new tarmac. Uh And uh, these these, uh, two traveler gentlemen turned up to lay lay the tarmac um which they did and it was a a decent job but then when it came down to the actual payments they um greatly inflated the original quote um and we didn't have the Mm -hmm. the cash in in the house to pay for it i was at home on my own at the time i think with my sister who was much younger than me Um, the guy turned up at the door basically demanding money so um so i was like well you know it's i was about 15 at the time i was like no it's not my it's not my uh my 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 thing i don't have the cash blah 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 blah. he got quite aggressive i told him to ring my dad my dad spoke to him on the phone um and uh and he kind of i was on the phone to him and um i could hear the kind of conversation down the end of the end of the line and essentially my dad agreed to pay pay the guy and he drove off to the the veterinary surgery where my dad was working and picked up up the money from there Mm -hmm. um and I understand that particular situation wasn't ideal because I was at home on my own with my younger sister and he wasn't, you know, probably wasn't a good time to start pushing back, but it just felt like we were taken for a ride in that instance and that he wasn't prepared to stand up for, you know, what was right. He would rather just kind of pay pay for this the problem to go away. Um, what do you think he would say if you kind of challenged him about it? What What would his explanation be? I don't know. I think he's relatively, I think he's pretty good at, um, at admitting his own flaws. Um, yeah. I don't think he would um, necessarily dispute the, the the version of the story that I have, but I think he also in his mind was the fact that you, you had these two two guys um, on the doorstep of the house with you know two of his two of your kids in the house, and uh, it could have gone could have yeah. gone very south, but. Um, yeah, I mean that's just one example. There are other examples, really, where where I feel like um, you know it's easy to be a pushover. But then it goes kind of it's gone kind of gone the other way as, as life's gone on, in which they you know it becomes a, it's got to a point where they don't trust anyone because they necessarily perhaps have the skill set to to push back. So actually, the the safest and easiest route is actually just to completely divorce yourself from relationships in that way. So. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's had the opposite. Well, not the opposite effect, but it's been a difficult um, uh, kind of process over over the life of mm-hmm. yeah of my father, I guess. So yeah. Next question. Mm. Here we go. All right, I'm ready. Ooh. this is a a slightly extreme one all right um what sexual thoughts strike you in non-sexual places especially public transport offices and work-related situations Hmm. it's like you've had a few glasses of wine um (laughs) probably i don't know uh I mean, I think everyone's been in a room with with you know different different people, regardless of their sexual attractiveness or or, or what have you, and started undressing them and imagined a scenario in which you're all basically getting on it. <laughs> um, so that I mean, that would cross my mind. Um, I guess as a, an immediate thought. There's no kind of particular scenario, but mm-hmm. I guess everyone. Um, you know, everyone has those moments where you're kind of in a really inappropriate place and you you kind of think about that stuff. Well, I guess you do as a bloke. I don't know what it's like for for ladies, but what do you think for let's say the kind of the average bloke, the uh, the frequency of that is? Yeah, I mean I don't buy this idea that they people think about sex every three seconds. Um I haven't thought about sex at all in the last three seconds, but um I guess um I don't know. I think I've learned. I've learned to train myself out of thoughts that I don't like. So um, I'm much, much more capable. And I get, it's, it's happened as I've got more. As I've got older, I've become more and more capable of, of shaping my thoughts according to what I deem is useful or what I want to, want to think about. So mm. I'd say you know very rare, maybe once every six months. Hmm. I don't know what your what's your experience of that. I'm asking the questions, Charlie. That's <laughs> <laughs> another another show. On to the next question. All right. Hmm. Which of your friends do you envy the most? Well, that's a good one. Do I envy the most? Huh. Yeah, there's a there's a I don't know, I've omitted this to her to him at some point I think, um, and, and I think it's worth caveating that I don't envy everything about him, but there's a few things that I do envy. Um, uh, it's a guy, it's a guy called Ollie Nice, who's a um, friend. Yeah, he's a friend. Is he was a friend of a friend? I guess he's more of a friend now, but he used to go out with my sister-in-law. Um, <clears throat> he's basically the most extreme level of extrovert that you can imagine so if you ever go to glastonbury mm-hmm. one wearing a headdress a random collection of clothing no shoes um this kind of thing and he's uh he's a cinematographer mm-hmm. so he has a film background which is you know again an, uh, an industry that i'm i'm kind of interested in and um yeah, he kind of, he just lives this very, very free life. He doesn't seem to have a real, I mean, I know he suffers from, from. I think it might be depression, but I've not really spoken to him about it. But 
so he has his problems, but he also has this kind of ridiculous level of freedom and um, and lack of uh, convention in his lifestyle, which I quite envy. And also, he's um, yeah. I just think he, he he's got a kind of very open perspective on life and on and on people. So his life kind of takes kind of lots of interesting turns. He's done lots of interesting things. He gets taken out to, I think he's in Japan shooting the Rugby World Cup. Um, and it's, and it, and part of the, part of the reason I envy him is because I did a bit of film after uni and, I, and I, as soon as I realised I couldn't instantly make money out of it, I left and did something else, but he kind of stuck with it and now he's successful in his own right as a cinematographer. So, so yeah, I think I'd probably envy him the most for those reasons. But if I could trade, I wouldn't trade places with him, which wasn't the question. But like, why wouldn't you trade places? Um, I think it's because I've I'm kind of fairly comfortable with how I've managed to cut, how I've managed to balance the the convention with the unconvention. Um, so I do, you know, in my spare time, I do sorts of all, all sorts of unconventional things. I go to music festivals. I, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't actually that unconventional, but I guess I hang out with a fairly unconventional crowd um, at times, and I experience a lot of relatively unconventional, unconventional things. But at the same time, I can operate within a conventional space like a corporate business and earn lots of money, which is um, not necessarily what I what I enjoy, but um, it, uh, it does help to feel comfortable and feel safe in that in the financial space. So, yeah. You use these words conventional and conventional mm. a lot. It's almost you're sort of circling around those. Why, why do you think those are so so important in your thinking? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, as I've got as I've got older, um, and I don't know if it's because I've, I have kind of moved into the world, what I'd describe as a more unconventional space in my in the way I perceive the world. I, I find I find the mainstream quite oppressive um Mm. i find the system and i don't want to get i mean this is quite lefty and socialist but i do find i do find the consumer consumer capitalism system quite oppressive um and i I, and i the, the stuff i've done with coaching and the stuff i've read around buddhism and things like that mean that i i've started to kind of recognize that the only really true way to be content is to is to be happy with your kind of inner self and you're not going to get um you're not going to get that contentment by chasing external things it's about really understanding where you want to get to personally and emotionally and and going towards that um so so yeah i think i think that's why i'm kind of i'm deeply i'm deeply concerned i guess and deeply unhappy with some of the conventional mindsets um the throwaway society and the uh apathy really towards the natural world and ecosystems and things like that um i find it deeply troubling actually Mm. What do you think it is that troubles you about it? Hmm. I think it's, well, I think it's probably, um, 
this idea that everyone follows or is the same that I guess I guess something that I really value say in 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 the natural world is diversity so I you know lots of different things lots of different things give you lots of lots of different experiences and lots of different reactions and I think the more things that we lose mm. the more simple the world becomes I mean we talk about the world being complex um and it is in the kind of digital space but actually in the in the um you know external space with globalization and um and all that kind of stuff is actually becoming a lot more simple there's this kind of simple you go to copenhagen like we did for that talk with that client <clears throat> when i was at pa um i walked down the high street in copenhagen and i was like this looks like guildford you know same mm. shops <laughs> same dress same people you know it's um mm. slightly underwhelming yeah next question yeah. Who is the person you've treated the worst in love in the past? Hmm. Treated the worst. That, I think that would, well, that would definitely be, hmm, would it be? Treated the worst in love. Yeah, interesting one. I mean, I guess you could go for a, an ex-girlfriend or something like that. And I think there were a couple of times, but I, um, where I had to, well, I broke up with, broken up with two people in my life. I think I did it relatively, respectively, I guess. Um, I think probably the worst thing I've done is cut somebody out of my life for more or less no reason. Um, uh, there was a friend of mine I went at film school and we were good mates for about a year but he you know he wouldn't he wasn't what I would describe as a um well he he was there and we got on and we spent a lot of time together and then when it came to the end of my time there I wasn't really that interested in hanging out with him so I more or less just cut him out um and just didn't respond to his messages and things which I think was very unfair I do very much regret that um why did I do it I don't know. I think probably, well, yeah, I think it was probably because um, he was maybe too different to my friendship group or he wasn't a friend that I was necessarily, uh, he was a slightly weird, weird bloke. And I didn't, I, I never felt comfort, comfortable with the idea of introducing to my other mates mm. um, who were probably a bit too cool and a bit too, um, uh yeah perhaps judgmental really so so yeah i kind of i kind of separated um my my life from his which was a bit a bit of a shame and you know it's not necessarily about love but i think there is an element of love and friendship which probably goes unsaid a lot of the time so so yeah that's probably the person i've treated worst do you still worry about being cool do I worry about being cool no, I don't think so. I guess, yeah, I guess what what is cool kind of evolves, doesn't it? Um, I guess what's cool when you're 15 isn't what, I mean, I was, I was the least cool person and probably am the least cool person. Um, but in particular at school, I was very uncool. 
and uh and as I've, i i guess i like more cool what you describe as cool things than i used to um but it's not something i necessarily worry about i guess uh, i guess um when it comes down to the we talked about the convention stuff earlier my life has taken a slightly unconventional turn in the sense that i went from owning a f- flat in london to living in a shared house in, in tooting with two random people um selling the you know selling the flat and um um yeah buying a camper van essentially <laughs> so you know and just focusing on having a you know I'm 33 just turned 33 so usually most people would be well you know it's time to settle down it's time to have a kid and actually the more people around us who have kids the less interested i i'm i feel um because the kids just seem to take over and i still i've got still got living to do <laughs> I think. What are you gonna What are you gonna do with that living before the the kids take over? Yeah, um, I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna experiment a little bit, really. Um, like I'm, uh, you know, thinking of starting this business with um, with Morton and Morton uh, Morton Bond and Redmond Bath, and um, going. I'm going to a lot more gigs, music gigs, spending a lot of time with different people. Um, probably go traveling at some point going to things like extinction rebellion um i guess yeah i guess i guess i've learned a little bit from from the stuff that you've you've written about in your book as well in terms of you know different experiences and and the power of of those from a learning perspective so i I do kind of keep that in my mind as well ready for the next question oh yeah let's bring it on (laughs) right When you fear you might have wasted your life, we all do. Mm. What do you hate about your job? Yeah, that's quite an easy one, I guess, because I've I've communicated it in various different ways to you and to other people, which is that I just fear that um, I'm just wasting, well, it's just a pointless waste of time um, and I'm not really adding any value very rare i can look back on something really and say you know i've built i've built this or i've made this or i've solved this problem um i think when you work in learning development or the best you can hope for is somebody coming up to you at some point in the future and saying wow what you did really you know really changed me and really shifted my mindset um and i've never really had that in l d actually the coaching stuff i'm doing at the moment has made uh, made that more possible um because you do get people who have these kind of breakthroughs and do change their life or make new decisions as a result. Is that what adding value means, you know, changing somebody's life? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, if, if I, if I could go back again and I could redo my whole career and do redo my whole education again, I probably would have done something like marine biology because then I could have, um, I could have focused on kind of, you know, marine ecosystems and, and tried to, you know, um, save the, save the fishes basically. (laughs) And, uh, I would have got a lot of, a lot of out of that really, but, um, I was also not necessarily that good at biology. So I decided to do history and philosophy instead, which I enjoyed of course, but, but yes, I think, um, I've gone down this kind of fairly, um, corporate, not necessarily corporate, but 
I don't really know if L&D would, ex- would have existed outside this kind of weird paradigm or w- the weird kind of other world of the corporate life. Because mm. um, if you go down to startup and small businesses, you very rarely have anyone doing this kind of L&D stuff. When you're that sized business, you just crack on and do stuff. And the people that you have in the business and the people that you need in the business are technical experts, um, people that can build things, whether that's digitally or, or actually. And uh, HR usually appears much later on down the line when they go, oh, shit, we need, a, we need an HR policy for this or we need to you know, induct people into the business. Um, so it's, it's a non-essential role that I play at the moment in, in corporate life. Um, and actually, yeah, it's really, I, I guess I get more of a kick out of my personal life in terms of what impact I can have. But like I said, the coaching, um, coaching stuff has, has appeared to make a difference as cynical as people I speak to are about it. It does seem to help. Hmm. I feel we've started talking about corporate life. Yeah. Time for um, the next question. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> this is a sex question. What experience? Hey do you have of impotence yours or a lover's impotence um i don't really have any experience of it to be honest i can only remember one um one one time in my entire adult life where it didn't work for me put it that way um i think that was just because i was hammered So, so actually, yeah, not really. I don't really have any experiences of that yet. Well, that's okay because the next question is also a sex question. I can tell from the color of the card. <laughs> so, um, Go for it. Let's see uh, what this one is. Uh huh. What hangups do you have around sex? Hangups. What do you what do you, what do you think that means? Hangups. I guess um fixations would be an example um kind of or or things that you know based on your kind of early experience have have continued to kind of bug you yeah so my wife's got a pie she's just Uh uh-huh she leaves me alone until i can answer this question (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you might be is the pie a, a potential weapon <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's a big old pie i went out for dinner on um on saturday night actually and someone someone delivered a cake to the uh to the birthday boy and we were trying to work out how how big a cake you would need to knock somebody off a bike mm-hmm. <laughs> so um what do you think what's the answer i think it would depend um partly how how fast you were throwing the cake because it could be a very small cake but if you propelled it at immense velocity um then it could knock anybody off if you were hand throwing the cake i mean so if you had it in one hand if it was a dense cake like you know which is more of a bread to be honest but you know welsh that kind of cake i think you could definitely knock possibly two people off a bike with that yeah i guess you could lace it with like um i don't know walnuts or something uh-huh. and then you could almost like build a kind of um a scatter scatter cake right. <laughs> anyway she's gone 
So, um, so yeah, hang-ups. Um, hang-ups, hang-ups, hang-ups. I don't know. I've, I suppose a, I suppose a hang-up would be um, how... I guess how kind of I guess prudish people are about it. So um, mm. there's kind of we, I mean we're still living we're still kind of living under the authority of the church system essentially in terms of um, how people think about sex and partners and things like that. So you know there is this idea that you only you should only have one in your life. You marry the one and then you have sex with that one person for the, your entire life. Um, and while I, I understand that it works, well, I say it works, it doesn't work because people get divorced, one in three people get divorced, but, um, it's seen as the proper thing to do, you know, and I just don't, I think if we were a bit more mature about it and I think a bit more realistic, we could probably find ways to live more happy, more sexually fulfilled lives without these kind of dramatic breakups and dramatic, um, life situations that frankly scar both the potential partners and also everybody around them and also potentially their children so actually i think it's more about yeah people's mindset and attitude towards it than, than anything else that that bugs me about it very good next question yes what would you fix in your life with infinite money In my life, what do I fix? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the obvious one would be, you know, the global warming thing, but um, I won't say that because it's boring. Um, I think it's more about your personal life. So let's say you won the lottery or you inherited a kind of a huge amount of money. One assumes it wouldn't be enough to kind of fix global warming, but, you know, pretty much anything else in your life you could you could change. Yeah, I don't really have anything I'd want to change, to be honest. Um, I'd like to have a little bit more. I'd like to care less about money, I suppose. Mm. Which would, that would be fixed by it. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel the, the the kind of place that I'm in financially, in or the, or the way that I've, excuse me, drop my drop my headphone. Um, I think the way that I think about money and actually where I feel I'm going with my life and career and everything else. Um, I don't really have anything to fix. Um, I guess I'm very blessed from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have, there's no one I'm close to that really needs loads of money. Um, there's no, you know, there's nothing I really want for essentially. If you know, I know that I can save up to buy whatever I want within reason. I'm not going to buy a super yacht, but then I don't need a super yacht. Um, yeah, I guess I'd like to be able to fix homelessness in mm-hmm. London. If I had millions and millions of pounds, I might be able to do something about that. Mm. Um, cause I do, you know, walk past people without homes and who need much more support than they're getting on a daily basis. And it's very, uh, if you wanted to fix homelessness, do you have a sense of, what you would do would you just give the money to people directly would you give it to a charity would you start your own yeah i think i'd start my own i think um i think the finnish 
um, actually have a system which seems to work, which is basically they give people who don't have homes homes. Um, so it probably requires more more investment in infrastructure and things like that, um, which is a challenge because I also believe in things like having a countryside. So you can't just keep, continue to expand the cities out into the countryside um, infinitum, but um, they will. So it's uh, it's finding a eco an ecological and economic solution whereby you can house people without you know destroying what little countryside we have left. So I don't know, maybe build down, maybe mine into the ground and um, mm. house people underground. But um, yeah, I, I'd I'd like to be able to help people who are um, who are without homes if I had the cash to do so. Next question is also a sex question, but I think it's quite, <laughs> I think it's quite an, an easy one. Go on, so, you, remember, you can pass on any of these if you want. I think, so the question, I think if you pass, you've lost the game, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize this was a competitive sport, but I like no, the way you're... Yeah. <laughs> I know somebody else is going to come on after this and like pass loads, so I just want to make sure that I set the bar, the bar high, you know? Hmm. Well, you're doing pretty well so far. <laughs> With whom... Is it not just revolting, but a little frightening to imagine having sex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little frightening. Not just revolting. And revolting. It's the frightening bit that some, and I know loads of people would be revolting to have sex with. <laughs> um, but, um, but frightening too. Yeah, but frightening too. Revolting mm. and frightening. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I guess it's. I'm, I'm, it's weird. I'm trying to think of a realistic person, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not homosexual. Well, like, not a cartoon character. Well, exactly, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm heterosexual, so I'm trying to think of people that I'd realistically, you know, end up in that scenario with. Mm. Um, but I'd also be repulsed by and scared of, mm -hmm. which is quite, it's, it's a tricky number of filters to apply. Yeah. It doesn't specify it has to be a real character on the card. I mean, you know, it could be like, um, um, yeah. You know, character. I'm trying to think if he's revolting and scary and real. And, uh, I mean, there's that, <laughs> Don't actually know she's a child that wouldn't that wouldn't be appropriate <laughs> that's scary as well i was thinking of the person that girl from the ring but yeah she's probably too young well we don't yeah we don't have her age <laughs> let's assume yeah let's assume but she's very scary and also revolting um mm. but uh i mean yeah any of any of those really mm, horror you know people from horror movies horror yeah. movies yeah i mean i'm trying to think Pretty much anyone from American Horror Story in that. Case. I've not watched any of that yet, actually. Mm. But yes, um, I guess uh, I can't think of anyone in real life that I find revolting and scary. Mm. Um, that's a tricky. That's a tricky one. I've not answered it very well, but um, maybe, I'll, right. let me, maybe I'll let it ruminate for yeah. a bit and right. see what comes up. So your next question is about money okay would you cut your partner a bit more slack if they earned a bit more no <laughs> no i wouldn't 
Um, I don't think I think I'm pretty I'm a pretty patient guy. Um, I think mm-hmm. I think she'd say the same. Um, I do cut out quite a lot of slack. In a I don't I mean that's, that makes it seem like I'm in charge. <laughs> it's more you know it's I, I try not to try not to you know to to control or to dictate or do any of that stuff anyway. So um, so that's good. Uh, I think to basically let people be who they are. Um, there are obviously times when there are things that she does where I'm like, that's just out of order for your human being, <laughs> let alone you. So I don't know, you know, so I don't know if I need to necessarily um, cut more slack, but I don't think money has a huge bearing on our relationship in that way. We kind of pool our money anyway. We have a joint account and we, pay for all our stuff out there and then we have our own spending money which i think works Mm. your next question Mm. is about family okay you wish that you could ideally tell your father god it's a lot of dad dad questions two dad questions now um i wish i could tell him Um, hmm. yeah, I mean, it's probably, I mean, I'm, I'm banking on him never listening to this or my parents never listening to this. So, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I guess it's not so much that's what I could tell him, but I would, I would have a proper conversation with him about, um, his, uh, infidelity when he was when i was a much younger younger lad mm-hmm. um I, I remember it fairly vividly and it did sort of break the family unit for quite a few years really and we mm-hmm. never it's never something that we'd ever talked about or discussed um so i would like to have i suppose i would like to have a conversation with him about it i think i think it's not something that i necessarily blame him for so it's you know it wouldn't be about um, I don't think it would be necessarily what people would expect that conversation to go like, but I also think that um, it's sort of the thing that's been, for, for obvious reasons, been kept under, swept under the rug or at least kind of ignored for my whole adult life, really. So I suppose mm. I'd like to talk to him about it and just understand it more. Um, Is that what you would hope to gain from that conversation, understanding? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he said, he said, um, I went to see him the other week and he said something like, he said, uh, I think, I can't remember what we were talking about, but he said, sometimes I just think I'm a bit of a prat. Um, and I thought that was a bit, I kind of felt that was a bit sad, really, because I didn't think, I don't think he is. I think he's a, actually a very generous, um, if, if, a, if a little oblivious, I think he's quite a generous person and it's quite, quite a funny kind person really um but he's obviously got this picture of of him in his mind that he's somehow flawed um Mm. or or, you know uh, flawed in a way that perhaps other people aren't which i don't think is fair so um so yeah i think it's more about yeah i think it would be more about us understanding each other better and um and i guess you know going into the next phase of our life as you know as as people as people who understand each other and and 
you know, and, and clearly care about each other. So I think mm. we might get from it. Okay. Your next question is about money. Which of your acquaintances really doesn't deserve the money that they have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, the obvious people are the people that are born into it. Um, so you assume that if they're born into it, they don't necessarily deserve it. But I don't think that's, that's always the case. Um, Do you have acquaintances who are born into money? Well, I think I'm born into money to a degree. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm the product of a you know, middle class family, essentially. So my parents are both vets. Um, that doesn't make them, you know... Uh, millionaires but it makes them you know well off but I've also know that having basically been raised by somebody else that I know how much they worked for it you know I think that's fair enough and I couldn't necessarily be ju be a judge of somebody um, with money because I don't necessarily know how much how much work they put in um, I think there are people that perhaps have squandered what what they have uh, or, or what advantages they've had and ended up basically being still be, still being kind of comfortable despite their attitude and squandering. Um, I mean, my best mate is probably, you know, it's not not as squandered, but he didn't, you know, he went to university, didn't come out with a degree on the other side, and you wonder whether. Well, I know for a fact if he you know put his mind to it, he's as smart as anything. He's probably one of the smartest people I know. He could have done, he could have done more or less anything. Um, but he chose to do other things because actually it's quite boring having to, to work really hard and study hard and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. It wasn't really what he wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say he didn't deserve it, but, you know, I think he had opportunities and he had the brains to more or less do anything and mm -hmm. he chose to do something that um, probably wasn't necessarily as grandiose that, uh, as it could have been. But then I'm also not somebody who necessarily thinks that having a high powered job makes you a success so um so yeah money money questions are tricky because yeah i don't necessarily assign um you know money and happiness or money and success mm. so so yeah it's a difficult question well if you thought that was a difficult question <laughs> <laughs> wait for this one yeah okay Another sex question, and this one is, who do you rather regret sleeping with? <laughs> who do I regret sleeping with? Let me think. Yeah, I mean, in the spirit of not, um, <laughs> in the spirit of not saying no to any question, um, I basically lost my virginity to um, quite a uh, unattractive, as I would describe now, girl. But the reason I did it was because basically I'd got to university and still hadn't managed to have sex. So I basically found somebody in the club who I thought would definitely have sex with me. So, and it was successful. So my strategy worked, but it also felt afterwards like I'd basically been waiting for 18 years for for what turned out to be a fairly um, 
uh, unsuccessful, well, not unsuccessful, um, just unmemorable experience, really. So I, I guess I'd, I'd guess if I would had less pressure, or you, because you spend your whole life at school being uncool and just thinking about it 24 seven and thinking, will it ever happen? And then getting to university and thinking, now's my chance. And, mm. uh, and rather than sort of waiting for the right for the right moment or the right person, you just basically jump in bed with whoever so you can tick it off your list. So I ticked it off my list a little bit and I probably could have done better, but I also, you know, the monkey left my back sort of thing. Mm. So um, I don't know if I regret it, but it wasn't exactly the nicest uh, experience. Okay. Fun party story. <laughs> I'm not giving you all the gory details, <laughs> but yeah. Next question, though. Yeah. Might your friends be most surprised to learn you'd love to try professionally? So, what might your friends be most surprised to learn that you'd love to try professionally? Hmm. Um, I guess I'd always been, I'd always fancy myself as a tree cutter. <laughs> so is that tree surgeon? Or yeah. Do you mean tree surgeon? Yeah. Well, or lumberjack to be honest, either or, um, I quite like the idea of, of hanging up and up in trees with a chainsaw and chopping bits off trees. Um, or, you know, or, or caring for them. Arborist, I think they're called. So, so yeah, I guess that would be one thing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'd be surprised by anything that I said I might want to do. So, <laughs> to be honest. So, next question: How has your childhood made you difficult to be around? <laughs> oh God, so many ways. Um, <laughs> How's my childhood maybe difficult to be around? It's difficult to know if, if, if it's your childhood or whether it's something else, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you would call it childhood, but um, I basically made a decision that um, when I was about 15 or 16, that nobody gave a shit. And if you, um, if you spent your time wallowing in self-pity all you were going to achieve was more people not liking you because actually most people don't want to see or hear about your problems most people would rather be, ignore them and not see them so i think that what i and i'm not sure i still agree with that but i think for the mo for a huge number of people i think that's the case so i think what that made me do was basically devoid myself or kind of um tried to well, one, I tried, I basically overcame depression by basically not giving a shit myself. Oh. Uh, I, I, I shifted my personality to be, to be almost apathetic to other people. Um, and just became a bit of a dick, basically. No, I think kind of a friendly dick, but still a, a dick nonetheless. So I think mm -hmm. that made, that made me, well, yeah, I think that made me difficult to be around, particularly between the ages of sort of 18 and, 28 maybe early maybe 25 um and I've, I've slowly started to work my way out of that mindset was there a particular incident that made you draw that conclusion that 
you know, nobody gives a shit about you or was it just a feeling that sort of grew over time? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I basically went through, went through this phase, I think, of a bit of, of experimenting a bit with that kind of concept and the idea of no one gives a shit. So basically being kind of outwardly depressed and um, miserable. I think nowadays they call it sad fishing. And there's a problem with it at school at the moment because kids are so kind of. Um, craving attention on social media that they've started to um, fake um, and obviously there are plenty of kids that, don't, that do suffer from depression but they've started to some kids have started to fake it so that they get attention so I think I did more or less the same as that and it would take the form of things like you know um, sulking and you know crying or whatever just uh, mm. you know and isolating myself seeing if anyone would you know you know try and reach out to me or what have whatever um, and I guess what I discovered is that actually, for whatever reason, at that point, I didn't have really have any friends that would be prepared to, to do it, um, or, you know, prepared to reach out or prepared to, um, you know, ask me, ask me if I was okay sort of thing. So once I'd, once I'd kind of tested the water and found that the only people who actually did reach out or did, you know, were interested in my you know, misery, real or otherwise, were, were my family. That kind of made me think, okay, well, these people don't give a shit, so why should I give a shit about what they think? So actually it did, it gave me a strength. It gave me kind of armour in the sense to have that. And actually I, well, the kind of, the upshot really was I actually made more friends because if you're confident, outgoing and don't give a shit, people actually find you much more easier to be around than if you're kind of a moping sort of introvert. So I made a conscious decision basically to be to be outgoing, um, slightly brash and direct versus um, you know, but versus kind of reflective introvert who people thought were a bit weird. So it yeah, it changed my character at the end of the day and it changed the way I um interacted with people. But it did make me incredibly difficult to work with or, or be around for a you know slowly declining majority of people because i feel like i'm starting to start to get a handle on how you can do both and mm -hmm. both um both in your personality so yeah final question is there a sex question it's not would you like it to be a sex question <laughs> no it's fine i've done enough of that already <laughs> um who would you most like to impress with work and why Hmm. Oh, that's impressive work. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. I guess it's a cliche, but you say your parents, don't you? So. Um, I don't know. Like I look for, I, I look for respect, to, you know, and and admiration for everyone. But um, oh, that's my flatmate's home now. But um, but yeah, that'd probably be the the obvious answer. Mm -hmm. Hi, you all right? Yeah. yeah, all right, thanks. So yeah, wow. You did really well, Charlie. You got through a lot of questions. I got through a lot and I answered every question, which is a gauntlet for anyone else who's doing this. 
I can't wait to hear what other people say. Some of those questions are pretty close to the bone. How do you feel about the process? Yeah, pretty good. I'm I'm curious to know whether actually anyone would actually listen to this. Hmm. Um, I guess we'll find. What do you think? What do I think about the process, yeah. or whether or not we'll actually listen to it? Both. I think it's a really interesting process um, to kind of ask perhaps the kinds of questions that you know are on people's minds, but they they never really get a chance to answer mm. or how other people might answer them. And yeah. I guess to me, that's kind of important that we sort of understand our differences, um, but also maybe how much we have in common, mm. but it'd be hard to tell whether or not that process works um, until a few people have gone through the process. We might discover that we're all very strange, stranger than we thought. <laughs> I think we are. Yeah. I think we are. Cool. Well, I've got a pie, so I'm going to eat my pie now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely deserve pie. I deserve pie. And um, yeah, when are you going to release it? Um, I don't know yet. I guess I'm going to record a few. Mm. Uh, we've got a few. Um, otherwise, yours might scare everybody else off. <laughs> People might think, well, you know, I'm never going to be as good as, as Charlie oh, yeah. and not do it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'd have, you'd have a lot of fun with, well, I think it's so unconventional in terms of the sort of questions that you're asking. I think it's going to scare most people off, especially in a bit, if you're thinking about this for LinkedIn, for example, mm. I think uh, you might be, you might be disrupting the, uh, the status quo, which obviously I'm game for. Mm. We'll see. So mm. um, thanks for being part of this experiment, Charlie. No worries. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, enjoy the pie.